Welcome to Changing Your Dreams, Parenting a Child with Special Needs, a podcast where we shine a light on the unique grief of special needs parents that few people recognize and no one really talks about. I'm your host, Laura Kitts. How do we live a beautiful life with chronic stress and grief? How do we nurture ourselves while we nurture our children? How do we make ourselves a priority when they need so much? My guests and I will discuss this chronic, ever-renewing grief, transforming your dreams, and how to take care of yourself along the way when parenting a differently abled child. This episode is sponsored by Flight Club. Join a circle of friends who understand you and your life as a special needs parent. Combine that with monthly guest experts, live self-care accountability sessions with me, and easy, actionable assignments to help you emerge from the hard work, transformed, just as the butterfly from her chrysalis, and you've got Flight Club. Today I'm talking to Kara Lata about why we need to relearn how to play as adults. Why is playing conditioned out of us, even at early ages? Reconnecting to your childhood self to revive the joy takes a mindset shift. Kara Lata is the founder and chief fun officer of The Playful Warrior and a play and mindset coach. She's also a hypnotherapist, hip-hop and Latin dancer, finger painter, bright red lipstick wearer, and your biggest cheerleader. Kara created Thought Play, the only eight-week one-on-one play and mindset coaching program designed to help you ditch perfectionism, overcome self-doubt, and heal your inner child so that you can create a life that lights you up from the inside out. It includes the play box and the playbook delivered to your door. Let's get to it. So, Kara, tell us all the things about how you became the playful playful warrior, which first of all, I just love because it's kind of an oxymoron of sorts, you know, and um, yeah, how, how did you come up with that name and how did you get into this business of helping adults learn how to play because, and why don't we already know how to play? I have so many questions. So I'm going to stop asking all the questions at one time and we're going to start with, with anything you want to say about what I just asked. Amazing. Well, I love all these questions and thank you for having me. And interestingly enough, or maybe not so interesting, but the playful warrior really came from a darker time. So I came from a corporate background. I was in the corporate world for 10 years um, and I just knew it wasn't aligned. You know, there's nothing wrong with it at all. But for me, I always just felt like I was in a job that wasn't me. I was being someone I wasn't. I was doing something that was really unfulfilling. I was pretending to like things I didn't really, didn't really like. And yeah, it was just kind of going through this darker time. And, you know, about two years ago, right before the pandemic, I describe what I went through as the dark night of the soul or a spiritual crisis where I had a long-term partnership end. I had been going through a cockroach infestation for five months, uh, which is a really long time. And I mean, that's a whole other story. Apparently that's actually like a spiritual symbol for shadow work though. And like, I I was trying to keep a straight face, but 
Oh my gosh, that's, yeah, that's a story that wants to be told, but I think that'll have to be another time. Okay. I know, I know, because we only have so much time, but um, yeah, I mean, it was um, very anxiety inducing to say the least, you know, I had them in my bedroom, over my bed, in my bedside table, like it was just ridiculous, um, you know, so there was, it was many months without sleep, essentially, uh, I had a lot of health issues as well, so I have epilepsy, and I was having flare-ups with that, I was going through childhood trauma and like really uncovering and doing this heavy healing work. And then I was at this corporate job that was unfulfilling as well. Um, and then as COVID came, I lost my job immediately because I was in marketing and PR, that budget tends to go first. And interestingly enough, I felt so relieved. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I was very worried financially because it was so unexpected, but there was just this part in my soul that was like, okay, we can breathe now. Like, yeah, let's yeah. actually figure out what I can do to do something for me, to do something for the world that feels in alignment. So it was really an exciting time. And I had been doing a lot of therapy for years and, you know, it was always just this heavy approach to therapy. It was always being like really critical of myself and like always playing out scenarios. And it just, yeah, like it was just, um, I don't know. I felt disconnected from like this sense of like happiness and zest for life. And my therapist had recommended like trying to play or maybe trying to heal with joy. And I was like, okay, cool. Like playing, that sounds interesting. Do you have any resources? And she was like, no, not really, you know, just do what you like to do as a kid. And for me, that was kind of, um, I don't know, confusing. I, I didn't really. Yes, good. I'm glad you said that because I was, I was wondering by your initial response to what you're, when you just told the story, you, you know, your therapist told you to play and do fun things and you were like, oh, cool. And I thought, really, was that really your response? But now you say it was confusing. Yeah. It, oh, it that's was. what I feel like is most of us first response to that. Yeah. It's like, what does that even really mean? Right. And yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like initially I just liked the idea of not having it to, it to be so heavy all the time, but then right. when it actually came to execute, it's like, what does that mean? And so I looked for resources, really wasn't finding anything. Uh, I found some books on like the science of play, which was amazing. And it was so important scientifically. Um, but as for like actually how to do it, I was kind of at a loss. Um, but because I had been doing a lot of inner child healing, so essentially connecting with the little you, the part of your subconscious that, you know, experiences the world with all of their emotions, whether that's like joy, anger, sadness, they're just so in their experience. They're not trying to filter themselves. They're not trying to fit in. Um, they are just them experiencing the world. So I had been doing a lot of work on connecting with that part of me. And it was more so connecting with like the anger and the sadness and the emotions. So I wanted to connect more to the part of me that used to experience the world with like joy and playfulness and creativity and wonder. Um, and so I started myself just doing this writing practice where I would write with my dominant hand and I would answer with my non-dominant hand and my non-dominant hand represented my inner child or a little Kara as I call her. Um, and I started trying to, yeah, reconnect with this playfulness and to be totally honest, like the, the way the playful warrior came out, I feel like was really spiritual. Um, it was because I committed to exploring play really without resources. And I just went on this journey and I decided to show up every day for little Kara, for little me. 
And I was just going to try new things, even though it was really uncomfortable at first and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I was just so set on creating a new life for me. Like the life I was living clearly didn't work for me. It exploded. Everything was gone. I was like restarting a new life. And so for me, I was so used to abandoning myself for other people. I was so used to looking for my worth in relationships or in a career. Um, I didn't really even know who I was, but I knew that I had this little girl inside of me who was really scared, who really wanted love, who really wanted belonging. And my mission was to now find that safety within and to show up for her every day um, and just let her know I was there. And so as I did that and I was showing up, I was starting to build trust within myself. And one of the big blocks in my journey was like perfectionism, which is a trauma response, right? And because we, a lot of us learn that love is conditional. You only get love if you are good or if you do things a certain way and that's how you get validation. And so that was my journey. I know that's a lot of our journey. And essentially for me, when it came to playing, there were a lot of blocks because I felt like I had to do it a certain way or I had to win. You know, like playing was only good if I like won or if it looked good, if I was doing art, it like had to look good. It had to look a certain way. Um, and for me, I realized that the true spirit of play actually was just about, yeah, really experiencing the world with that sense of wonder without an outcome, um, being curious, not trying to perform or be someone you're not. And I knew that any play I had done up until that point, at least as an adult, was very much based on how it looked. Like if I did dance, it was, you know, I was trying to like compete and like look good or I didn't do art because I felt like I wasn't good at art by societal standards. So for me, initially in the stages I was returning to play was really about letting go of all that, um, learning to do art again without caring what it looked like. And for me, actually, that was with a blindfold. I started, and that was like a message I just got like spiritually, like try doing this with a blindfold because when I had the blindfold on, uh, the outcome didn't matter anymore. And I was so connected to my senses and play is super sensory. And finally, I could just express myself without being so hard on myself because all the time we are so hard on ourselves and what things look like and we just can't enjoy it. Um, but when you're in the blindfold, you can't see it and you're actually just like expressing yourself freely. And that was kind of what I started doing and, you know, on one of these. So then I started doing regular play dates with my inner child. And then um, I just got the name, the playful warrior during one of these uh, dates. I, I don't know. I feel like it was very spiritually connected. And for me, that really represented the journey I had gone on because it was, you know, a warrior's journey is so many of us go on with all these challenges in our own ways. Um, but I realized that in this healing journey, playfulness was such an important part of returning to me of returning to my wholeness. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of just like my mission and healing was to return to my playfulness because, you know, as a very small kid, I was so playful. I was like always just running around and dancing like a horse and, um, dancing at the window when people are coming. And every time it was time to eat, I would just like shriek with joy and clap. And it was like so fully expressed. Right. Um, but then I learned to dim that light down and to morph into someone that would like fit in society. And, you know, I took on this like professional identity and, um, as so many of us do. So for me, it was about returning to my true nature. And once I was on that train and loving it, I wanted to do the same for other people. So that is my summed up um, what a beautiful yeah. story. Thank you so much for, for that. Um, so many things. So one thing that you said was that you started 
by just experimenting and doing some play every day. Did you really start out doing it every day? Because that seems overwhelming. Yes. Have to do something every single day. So this does seem overwhelming, but I actually did just because I lost my job and I literally had nothing else going on. Okay. <laughs> and because I was in such a dark time, I was so committed to creating a new life. And like, you know, I didn't have a partner anymore. Like I, there was, there was just like nothing else happening. Okay, um, that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. That like my healing just like so dependent on it, but I love that you bring this up because, you know, to return to play, you don't need to do what I did. Right. You don't need to, um, do something every day necessarily. You know, you can, it can fit within everyone's schedule. And also as time went on and I got really experienced in what play was, um, I actually learned that it was more of a mindset than actual activities. Right. So talk about that. That sounds good. Yeah. So, you know, for me, like, a playful mindset is finding curiosity and this like spontaneity in anything. So working can be synonymous with play. You know, oftentimes we say like work hard, then play hard, but those can be two things together. Like a guiding question for me became in my day, like, how can I make this more fun? You know, like even when you're working, how can you make it more fun? How can you add play to your day if you're working, right? If you have, five minutes, you know, between callers or something, maybe you do like a little dance party, or maybe you're going to get coffee and you do a little twirl on your way to get coffee, you know, whatever feels good for you. But it was like learning to integrate play into these small moments. Like you don't need a whole day to do that. But also I stopped thinking about play and work as separate. I learned how to integrate it. Whereas before, I think when I started off in that play journey, I really thought of them as separate things. And I really thought of play as activities and I mean doing the activities definitely right. get in that playful mindset but so your your vision just now of like just doing a little twirly spin on your way to get you know to the kitchen to get your coffee that helps us understand I think a lot more of what you're saying you know that it's just having a little fun having putting a little zing in your step or something like that versus like you said because it's very easy for us to compartmentalize and separate what play is because you know we think of it first of all as something that kids do and we've you know quote unquote outgrown that and so talking about it in a different way you know that yeah it's just adding some fun breaking up the monotony that sort of thing is that kind of what you think resonates more with adults Yeah. And I think letting go of pressure. So I always say that play is the opposite of perfectionism because so often as adults, we only have fun if it looks a certain way or if we have fun or sorry, if we win. So, you know, when we're playing a game or any, if it's a board game or if it's cornhole, whatever it is, uh, for a lot of people, they'll only have fun if they win. The goal is to win. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, not to, not to feel joyful. Yeah. And I mean, I was like that. I was so competitive. Like I had a terrible time if I lost it, like cornhole or any kind of game, because that's how I was conditioned. Uh, But when I realized that like the true spirit of play really was just that enjoyment for having fun for the sake of it, exploring, getting curious. And, you know, if you didn't win, it didn't say anything about your worth because so often our worth is attached to these outcomes, right? And I truly believe that we stop playing often because of low self-worth, which is really, really sad because we feel, 
yeah, because we feel like we have to like prove our worth and it's so, you know, attached to these outcomes. Um, but when we realize that we are worthy, no matter what, suddenly like fear of judgment or, you know, worrying about what other people think just isn't as more important. Um, but often we felt like we had to stop playing to just like fit in with the world yeah. and do be acceptable and belong. And I know that was my experience as well. Um, so I always say to people, cause you know, I get this question a lot is how do I know if I'm playing or wow. is this play? And it's like, you can only answer that question because it's about how you feel. It's like, do you feel curious? Do you feel like you're having fun? Um, are you feeling a sense of wonder? Like that is what play is no matter what you're doing. And so we can find ways to incorporate that mindset. So while activities definitely help us do that, um, you can do this in the mundane as well. Um, so I think when I realized that that was really exciting because yeah, play always felt like almost something you had to achieve. And then that can also bring judgment. Like people are being like, oh, but I'm not good at playing or he's better. She's better at playing than I right. am. I've then lost all already. Cause I, cause I'm bad at playing. <laughs> right. We're all judging our journey and everything, but I always like to say everyone is on their own play journey and really like play is just self-expression. Um, that's all it is. It's like allowing yourself to truly express yourself regardless of what other people think of you. That's so scary for so many people. That's mm -hmm. so scary to be your true authentic self. Um, yeah. Scary, and that's why we conform, and that's why we don't play anymore, and that sort of thing. So, how do you recommend people um, kind of, you know, how do you break out of that fear? How do you just really? I am not someone who has that fear. <laughs> I have never been afraid of making a fool of my of myself in front of other people. Um, I am who I am, and I always been. And I mean, I, I have very distinct vivid memories of growing up, you know, in high school and in front of auditorium full of kids and whatnot, not even caring what anybody ever thought of me. Um, but it is a real fear for so many people. Um, so how, how, how do you recommend people just let that go? I mean, if it were that easy, wouldn't everybody just already do it? Absolutely. Yeah. So actually that's why I call myself a play and mindset coach because mindset is a big part of this. And we really need to look at our subconscious mind as well. Um, because, you know, when we're younger from zero to eight is when our subconscious mind is the most impressionable. So this is when we are taking on thoughts and behaviors and actions of the media and institutions and our caretakers. And we're adopting all these beliefs as kids. So this might be, you know, we're not worthy. We're not good enough. Um, I can't make money doing what I love. Any of these kinds of beliefs are getting imprinted in our subconscious. Often we're not consciously, consciously choosing that, but that ends up running our life. And so beliefs like I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough actually stop us from playing because again, we feel like we have to fit in or belong, um, which is why subconscious mindset work is such an important part of it. I think the first thing to do is actually learn to acknowledge your beliefs. Like what is lurking in your subconscious? What do you believe about yourself? You know, if there are parts of you that believe you aren't good enough, that is so normal. Um, I feel like everyone has that at some level. So yeah. just have so much compassion for yourself and be so gentle with yourself. Um, I know that was definitely true for me. Um, and once you do that, it's really about working with the subconscious mind, which I know could be a whole other episode as well, which, um, which <laughs> is a big topic. It's a huge topic, but um, I will just say in terms of like a tip we can give away is like, 
being really mindful of our language. So the subconscious mind, um, first of all, is very, very impressionable and it does not process negatives is one tip. So for example, um, you know, I just had a client I was talking to earlier today who doesn't want to yell at her kids anymore. So she has a post-it note by her that says, don't yell at kids. The subconscious mind doesn't actually process negatives. So it's like when I say, don't think of a blue elephant, you're likely going to think of a blue elephant. So if you're saying like, don't yell at kids, your subconscious mind is actually picturing yelling at kids. So we really want to use language that is empowering and getting you towards what you want. So it's just so important to think about what you want versus what you don't want, because that is what you're imprinting into your subconscious. So when this comes to play, at least really picturing yourself playing and feeling free, um, you know, and using language, like I'm learning to play, you know, not saying like, oh, I'm always stressed all the time, because that's just reinforcing this identity that you don't want. Uh, so being really, really clear of the, the language you're using. Um, but yeah, I would say mindset is such an important part of it to returning to play using language that empowers you to play um, and is open to it. Because with all my work, it's so exciting is we can totally change our identity. Like I know I did that. Um, so many people I know have done that. We can, you know, there's this great quote by Alan Cohen who says, you know, your history is not your destiny, which I love. Like we can totally recreate our identity. Um, so we can return to play, which is our true nature and identity work and mindset work is a huge part of that. And I know I could just dive so deep into that. I think so much of it, you know, just really also comes back to the feeling, mm. you know, it, be, like with the whole yelling at your kids example and the reminder posted of don't yell at your kids. How does that, how does that feel? Because it's, you know, like you explained, it's what your subconscious is taking in of the image of the yelling at your kids. But it's also like, how does that feel when you say don't yell at your kids? It feels yucky. Yeah. And so, you know, that what evokes a joyful feeling in you mm -hmm. of like, smile at your kids today, you know, maybe that's a post-it because that creates a completely different feeling in you. And the, you know, I don't know if it hits endorphins or whatever, but somehow it's that emotion of joy that comes through. And I love that you brought up that piece on language because I hadn't put that together, you know, before with play, but you're so right. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's because so, so many people use language like, oh, play is just not for me. I'm not good at playing, um, you know, just like prohibiting them from even trying. So, you know, I'm not saying like totally fake it until you make it and be like, I am the best player there ever was. But, um, you know, saying like, I am learning to play or I'm open to playing. Right. Instead of just like cutting it off at the source. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, also if this resonates with anyone, another way to start playing is to get pictures of little you. If you have pictures of you as a kid, you know, you could put them around your place. That's what I do. And when I see pictures of little me, that kind of reminds me to like tap into me, knowing that there is this playful person inside of me, uh, reminding me to show up for this little girl that was once really scared in childhood and, you know, took on all these trauma responses. Um, and if you don't have pictures of you, maybe putting pictures of your kids around too could be a really good motivation as well. Um, but yeah, there, there are so many ways. And I always just love to let people know that no matter how disconnected you feel from play, it is totally possible to return to that. I want to come back to what you said at the very beginning, which is that 
we, we need to think of it not as activities, um, but as a mindset or uh, a feeling. And just coming back to that because, you know, my audience is caregivers. Um, you know, they have kids with special needs or they're caring for uh, a parent or someone with chronic illness, a, any, a loved one all sorts of disabilities and challenges. And so life for us is extremely stressful. And honestly, um, I mean, I've talked about this for years. I know when you have a child with special needs, one, the first thing that goes is fun. That's the first thing that goes from your family is fun because fun costs money and fun uh, is like you said, we've been conditioned out of it. And so it's not an easy thing to just keep up around. And so I just want to come back and talk about it a lot more other than like spinning around when I'm getting my coffee, which I do love. <laughs> now I'm totally going to do that. But what else does it look like for us? How, how, what, because I love that example, because that's something that I teach is that it's baby steps. It's tiny things. It's little moments in your day throughout your day that help shift you to joy. But what else can that look like in terms of play? Yeah. I mean, it looks different for everyone and it really, I would say, follow what feels like makes you curious, like ask questions. What is something you want to explore? Like that can get you in the playful mindset. I know for me, um, I mentioned doing work with a blindfold, like this is always great. You can even get a blindfold and like eat your dinner or eat. A <laughs> oh my gosh. My kids are going to love that. <laughs> yeah. Kids, kids love that for sure. But what's really cool is that again, that heightens your senses and that helps you experience your food in a new way, in this curious way, in this sense of wonder. Um, so honestly, there's so much work you can do with the blindfold, but it's, it's really simple things. Um, I think the important thing with play though, is not planning it too much. Mm -hmm. So often I, I do tell people Ooh, that's hard, Kara. <laughs> now you poked me. <laughs> I have to not plan. Okay. Yeah, but it's literally like finding yourself in that present moment and being, okay, what's well, something I'm curious about? Like, you know, maybe it's going on a walk around the block in a way you haven't walked before. Um, it's just, because the thing is, is when we start planning too much and we're like at 11 a.m., I'm doing this at 11.03, 11.05, it's like the play starts to go away. We're really in our rational brain. Um, we're not as much open to the spontaneity of the moment. So, I mean, I'll leave that with every person and what means, but like allowing for spontaneity, I will say, is just a huge part of play because that really gets you in the spirit yeah. of wonder and curiosity. I mean, yeah, I mean, they go hand in hand. So it does make total sense, but- I worry about that for my audience who, as I said, like we're just under such high and intense stress all the time. It yeah. doesn't end. We don't have a light at the end of our tunnels. This is, you know, for many of us, a lifelong endeavor or years and years and years long endeavor um, that we, that we don't see an end for. And it's really hard. Um, and that's why we're having this conversation because this audience needs you the most. <laughs> um, but to not plan it, it's never going to happen. So, so I, I do want to say you can plan it too. Well, yeah. I love the spontaneous, but, but how do you, but I feel like being able to be that kind of spontaneous takes practice. 
Yeah. And so, and, just- and so, and so we need to, we need to learn how to practice. We, I think we do need to sometimes put it on our calendar. Like, Oh, know. absolutely. I put it on my calendar. Sorry. What I mean by that is I literally have playtime on my calendar, so it doesn't happen, but I don't, I don't actually plan what that play is until okay. it comes up. That's, I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. So you do plan it because life is really wild and you want to make sure it happens. And I do that too. Um, but it's like, so it's just accounting for the time, just like this call you had in your calendar. So you have playtime. It is a priority. What I'm saying, if possible, is you don't actually be like, here's an agenda minute by yeah, minute. You don't necessarily say, I'm going to do Play-Doh at three o'clock. You just say at three o'clock, I'm going to do something fun. Yeah. And then in that moment, like, what do I feel like right now? The curiosity inside. Okay. I I feel it now. I'm getting in the flow. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You got it. (laughs) Yeah. So that's exactly what I say. Yeah. That's so, that's so awesome. Um, and so for now, what about if you wanted to like do something more structured, like take an art class, like a painting class, does that like count? It could count. Yeah. It just, it depends how you feel. Um, I would say if, when you're painting, if you're like so caught up in what it looks like at the end, or you notice yourself not having fun as much because it's not looking how you wanted to, then like we're getting away from play. But if you're just like open to how, whatever you're creating and like, you know, then that absolutely could be play. Um, you know, for me, what I love doing, cause I, I avoided art for gosh, I don't know, 20 years. Cause I thought I wasn't like good at it. And we learned to only do things we're like good at. So it's like, why would I do art? Like this feels like a waste of time. Um, but then when I started learning that art could be just like self-expression, regardless of how it looks, um, I started exploring it over the past few years and, um, doing art. If you, if you feel like you're not like an artist, um, doing art with your non-dominant hand is actually amazing because it really takes away this pressure. It gives you permission to just explore. And it's so liberating. It's like, finally, you're giving yourself a chance to express yourself and it doesn't matter how it looks. And it's like such a beautiful gift of self-love, I think. Um, so I, I was doing that yesterday. I was just painting with my left hand and it like was just, you know, just so fun and like all over the place. And it felt amazing. Um, I so I think these, these little elements of unexpectedness are really what you're throwing in here with, with using the non-dominant hand to eat or to do art or the blindfold to do all sorts of things. It sounds like, but please don't drive anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I never, I never would have thought of those two things, you know, as a way to create play, but genius, like so great. Um, yeah. Beautiful tips. Any others? I love it. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, and honestly, with my left hand, <laughs> this is why, like, I created Thought Play, my course, which is essentially like eight weeks of like learning how to play as an adult, but also doing mindset work. It's just because, like I said, when I first my therapist told me like how to play, there were no resources, um, at least that I could find. Um, you know, like, yeah, I found like go to dance class or go to painting, but there was like no like immersive journey with all these ways to play, which is kind of why I created it. Um, but what's really important about my work is that I actually don't share too much because I want people to be surprised. And so I actually never share like what a session looks like because I want them curious and I want them in that moment spontaneous. So they're not like planning what it's going to look like. And they're just 
yeah, really connecting to that sense of wonder. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I do is I take people through all these ways to play in a curious way. So they connect that. with their inner child. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit more about thought play and you know what you do and what you offer. Yeah. So Thought Play is an eight-week one-on-one coaching experience with me. And each session is half play and creativity and curiosity and spontaneous expression. And then half of the session is actually mindset work at a subconscious level, uh, which I know I briefly mentioned, we talked a little bit about, um, but essentially we work at the subconscious level to really help you um, rewire your thoughts and actions and beliefs so that you can live this life that is connected to your true nature, connected to higher self-worth and feeling more empowered and living a life that you actually chose because so many of us are living a life based off of our programming or our conditioning or caretakers or media that like really wasn't what we wanted. And, you know, so many times I know, like we'll say, oh, I'm, I'm worthy. Like, I know I'm worthy, but there's this part in our subconscious that doesn't believe it. Um, so my work is like really, really reprogramming that and adding play as well so that we can just be living this really empowered, lit up life. And, Part of it also includes a play box and a playbook. So for me, it was really important that people actually experience play. And so I developed a play box and a playbook that gets shipped out in the mail. And it's this mystery box that has all these fun goodies in it. And essentially they are experiences that will help you connect to play and we'll use it in our sessions. Um, But yeah, it's like, there's never an agenda. Um, You know, the person will never know. It's a really safe environment though. Like my biggest priority is helping you feel safe to like express yourself and actually explore again and get to know that part of you. And so that you can really connect with playfulness and feel like that's a priority in your life you know, now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. And it was really just based on my healing journey and what helped me. And I just knew I wanted to bring it to other people. Yes. That's fantastic. That's really great. It sounds amazing. And I love the idea of getting a play box. That's so fun. So where can we find you, Kara? Where do, where can people follow you and learn more about you? Yeah, so you can find me at the Playful Warrior on Instagram or theplayfulwarrior.com is my website. And yeah, feel free to DM me anytime. I love to chat and would love to see or learn what your favorite way to play is as well. Well, we are going to be exploring that a lot more um, in the next month. I know you've got my wheels turning. I'm super excited to bring blindfolds out at dinner tomorrow night. <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not going to tell my husband. So <laughs> with that element, like you said, that element of surprise um, and see how it goes. I'll report back out and let you know. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us. This is so helpful, so valuable. So much of what I try to help you know my audience with is just understanding that it is a mindset shift. Getting to joy from where we're at is a mindset shift and that worthiness 100% you're worth feeling good. Right? Yeah. And that actually sparks something for me too. Um, that comes up a lot for me is, um, learning to play doesn't mean being happy all the time. It doesn't mean like being shame, 
like feeling shame when we're not feeling playful or happy, um, you know, feeling angry and despair and sadness can coexist with feeling playful as well. And it's really just about honoring all sides of ourselves and opening up to all self-expression because when we repress, you know, our sadness or anger, we are repressing ourselves, but same with our playfulness. When we're not attending to our playfulness, we're actually repressing parts of ourselves as well, since that is our inherent nature. Um, but yeah, I always just like to say the goal yeah, it seems so much more, you know, socially acceptable to repress your joy. And, yes. and that stinks. Like, why is that? You know, I was just talking to my friends the other day and we were, we hadn't seen each other in a while. And it was, oh, how is all your, you know, how's everybody's kids doing at the start of the school year? And we got onto this exact conversation. Um, one of my friend's daughter said to her recently, how the older you get in school, the less fun it is. You know, she says, you know, I remember in third grade when it was your turn to say something, they threw a wadded up piece of paper at you and you got to take a turn and then you threw the paper at the next kid to take a turn. And, and you're just answering questions and like doing knowledge stuff, you know, learning things, but it's like throwing a wadded up paper at each other. And that was fun. And now, you know, as she got older in high school and she actually just started college, but was talking about, you know, into middle school and high school. And I have a, a sixth grader who just entered middle school and I see it so starkingly is like, they just start sucking the fun out of our kids. Even, you know, we were talking at the beginning of, of this conversation about it really being in adulthood, but I'm realizing it starts in it starts in middle school and high school. Oh yeah. I mean, With the conditioning of Oh, it's starting like, you know, not, not to play. Yeah. In grade one, even like, uh, like in the sense that I remember being in grade one and I learned I had to draw in the lines, oh. you know, like anytime I was drawing out of the lines, I was bad. And that was when my whole narrative that I'm not an artist started. And that was when we stopped, we started learning to stray away from our unique self-expression and that play was only okay. in like one way or creativity was only okay in one way, but we started getting, yeah, just like conditioned out of this unique self-expression. Um, so unfortunately it starts really young. That's true. Yeah. So true. Gosh, so much to think about. So, yeah. So really just want to leave everyone with that, that thought of the mindset and, you know, when, what, what do you remember as a kid playing? What do you remember playing? What do you remember doing? What do you remember lighting you up? Right. And then that, those are the things we want to get back to. Those are the feelings that we want to have again. And so what can we do now? Sometimes it's those same exact things. Like you said, when you were talking to little, little Kara, you know, what, what do you want to do little Kara? And sometimes it's the same things you loved to do when you were a kid that you never haven't done in, you know, 10, 20 years, but it might be something new that you didn't even know about when you were a kid. But what can you do though, that gets you back to that feeling of being lit up, that feeling of just being joyful and uh, full of life and love. That's what we really, that's what I want to leave everyone with is just to think about those things and to find those moments in your day where you can twirl around to the coffee pot or whatever it may be to just, you know, make your heart happy, right? Thank you so much. I appreciate you being here. It was lovely to meet you as well. Thank you. It was so lovely meeting you as well. And I'm excited to hear about all of your play journeys. I'm definitely going to report back about the blindfold dinner tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you for being here. 
If you want to learn more about how to take care of yourself along your parenting journey, or how you can better support those special needs parents in your life, you can follow me on social media, Lara Kitts on Facebook and at Lara.Kitts on Instagram. And that is spelled L-A-R-A-K-I-T-T-S. I also have a blog on my website that's worth subscribing to. Check it out at LaraKitts.com. Until next time, take care of yourself.